Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another podcast and a brand new series. Today, I am going to record the four the first in a brand new series entitled Abide. I'm going to set it in context, go over the outline, and project forward right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens, This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, so it's time for a brand new series. I hope that you're enjoying the series that I'm going through. I feel when I try to just work on a passage or a theme. I never have enough time in our time together because I'm trying to aim around 30 minutes, 25 to 35 minutes, and it just never seems like I can give you everything that I get when I study it. And so when I come up with these great ideas of what I wanted to discuss with you or share with you, I'm thinking, oh, this will make a great episode, and then it makes two, and then it's three, and then it's four. Anyway, that's what happens sort of kind of with this, this series, Abide. It's an event that I have done in the past for homeschool moms at homeschool retreats on 
like a Friday night for two hours. And usually the teaching that I do at one of these events is about maybe 45 minutes total because interwoven in all of that is worship and prayer time and some games. And and so the teaching is not the only thing we do. We do these other activities also. But I've taken that 45 minutes of teaching now and actually extrapolated it into five episodes for you. And I hope that this will be a real blessing to you because I want to tell you, I spent the better part of today, so I I usually get up pretty early and I study so that I can record these episodes for you. And my husband just about had to drag me out of my office. I was so enjoying studying for this. And true fact, it is probably one of my most favorite things to do is study God's Word. And this morning I had out my exhaustive concordance, and I had my online resources, and my Bible, and my study Bible, and my notes, and my notebook, and my past speaker notes, and I had my 1828 Webster's Dictionary looking up different things in there. So I've had a grand time this morning preparing to record this for you. And again, Really, one of my number one objectives for this podcast and our time together, and if I ever have the privilege of coming and speaking at your event live, which I'm open to doing, I really want to just fan the flames of interest and spark your desire to get into God's Word, to know Him better through time of praise and prayer and study. That's it. That is what I have had the privilege to sit under some really great Bible teachers that didn't answer all of my questions completely and thoroughly, but they did inspire me to get in and dare to dig it out myself. And so blessed by that. And this is me trying to roll that forward, right? So um, we're going to kick off this series today. And today I just want to put this series in context because we're actually going to look at abide as it is encapsulated in John 15, 1 through 11. But I think it would be the better part of foolishness to just jump into that passage. I want to pull back and put those 11 verses in the context of John's gospel. That's what we're going to do today. And then in the subsequent episodes, we will drill down into those 11 verses, and then we'll pull back out and talk about application in the conclusion to this series. So that's sort of the long view of what you have to look forward to as we spend the next few episodes together. Don't forget, there are PDF study guides available that go even deeper than we'll have the chance to go into today. So make sure you go over to rachelcarmen.com, download those if you want to, share them, get some friends together, do this study together. There is so much here. And I really think that this is going to encourage you. There's some really practical things that we can do as we pursue abiding, If we, as we look at what it means to abide in Christ. So let's talk about this. Let's kick this off and let me lay the foundation. Let me set the context as best I can. This word abide is sort of one of those old-fashioned words. If you've listened to me, you know there are a few old-fashioned words that I love. I do love this word abide alongside other words like ought and behoove. It's true. I think some of those older words 
pack a punch that we miss when we update the language. But abide is one of those words. We don't use it very often. We don't hear it very often, but I think it's truly beautiful. And it has several different meanings like stay, continue, dwell, endure. Here's one for today. Be present, remain, stand, tarry, loiter. That's, that's what it means to abide. All of those different words. And I think it's, it's valuable for you to sort of just sort of marinate on those words, just sort of think about those words around in your mind. What does it mean to tarry? What does it mean to loiter? You'll see outside of convenience stores sometimes no loitering. And what they mean is you can't just stand around. You can't just hang out. And yet, that's actually what this passage is talking about, is lingering, staying, being present. That's what this passage is all about. And the word really goes straight to the theme that I want to talk about. What does it look like for you and I to stay in God, to stay, to linger, to tarry in His Word, in His truth, in the light of the gospel? What does it mean to be present with God? What does it mean to be present with the people of God, right? Especially in this rush, rush, hurry, hurry, busy, busy culture. (laughs) What we're being asked to do here is, yeah, not do that, but to be presence. And I think that that is a beautiful, a beautiful invitation for us to seek to take full advantage of. I think that this study gives us at least an opportunity to downshift in this out-of-control culture that is just rushing and racing ahead constantly, 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 so fast and so quick and so harried that we're not present. We're not present with God. We're not present with our spouses, our husbands, our wives. We're not present with our kids, and we're not present with those around us. And so I'm going to propose that we all dare to breathe and that we dare to seek to understand what it means to abide. That's what we're going to be looking at. Now, I want to pull back just for a little bit, and I want to talk to you about John, who wrote this epistle. So John is also known as the beloved disciple. He's the one that reclined on Jesus's breast at the Last Supper. He is the one who did a foot race with Peter to the empty tomb. He's actually the one who also must have known somebody because he got Peter into the courtyard, wherein Peter ultimately denied Christ. Uh, Spoiler alert, in a couple of series from now, we're actually going to dive deep into the life of Peter, and I'm really excited about that. But John and Peter had this relationship going on, and so John is historically thought of as the youngest disciple, the beloved disciple. He's also the disciple that was given charge of Mary, Jesus's mother, from the cross, It's actually remarkable to consider that Jesus in anguish hanging on the cross to pay your sin debt and mine looked down and saw his mother, which, by the way, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. I've seen my kids in pain. Mom, you've probably seen your kids in pain. I 
I've seen my kids with something as minor as a scraped toe and also all the way up to a severe asthma attack and a broken arm. I've seen my kids in pain, and perhaps some of you listening today have seen your kids in even more extreme circumstances in in hospital beds and critical NICU, right? You've seen your kids in pain. I cannot imagine being Mary at the foot of the cross, seeing my son hanging on that cross. And yet, the loyalty and the love of a mother to be present with her son at that moment, and Jesus to be cognizant of his mother, even in all of that pain as a man, and he gave charge of his mother Mary to the beloved disciple John. This is that John. That's the John that wrote the gospel of John. And if you've listened to me at all, you know that Well, all the books of the Bible are my favorite. It just depends on which one I'm talking about at the time. But the Gospel of John holds a very dear place in my heart. 93% of the Gospel of John is unique to John. It's actually very interesting. If you dare to dive deep and study the book of John, there are so many unique stories and incidences and confrontations that John records that the other Gospels do not. And I've typed up for you my own simple outline of the Gospel of John that, again, is available as a PDF over at rachelcarmen.com. You can go over and pick it up. And when we come back from that break, I'm going to highlight some things on that outline. I'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Okay, as promised, I've outlined the book of John, the Gospel of John, very, very ultra simply. So I tried to keep each chapter summary Very, very simple, just to highlight what's going on in every chapter. But what I wanted to focus on is many scholars discuss the book of John as seven signs and seven I am's. 
And since I wanted you to see that, I've included those in the outline that I've made for you over there that you can pick up as a PDF. And then that will give you the opportunity to study further. So I didn't actually tell you the verses that these different miracles and proclamations of Jesus, I am. I didn't tell you the verse. So I gave you the chapter, but not the verse. So I'm hoping that you'll take advantage of that tool and dig a little deeper. That's the point. I don't want to spoon feed you, but I want to inspire you to do that work. And so you can go over and pick up that outline. We're going to go over it here quite quickly. So that again, I can contextualize John 15, 1 through 11. That's my goal for this episode. So John 1, John chapter 1 is all about John introducing who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all men. This is John's introduction of who Jesus is. And you'll notice right off the bat the parallel between John 1, 1 and Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1, 1, and here we have in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And so those obviously complement each other, right? John is saying that in the beginning, when Genesis says, in the beginning was God, John is saying, in the beginning, this Jesus was God in the beginning. So, Right off the bat in the beginning of his gospel, John is testifying to the eternality of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is showing up in the timeline of history as a man, but he is eternally begotten of the Father right here at the beginning. So chapter one, John's introduction of Jesus and the witness of John the Baptist. John the Baptist proclaims here in chapter one who Jesus is. You'll want to read that. Chapter two, we have miracle number one, the wedding at Cana. So this is glorious. You know, I'm going to want to chase every single one of these and time will not allow me. But go back and read the wedding at Cana. This is when Jesus's mom, she's waited for this moment her whole life, her whole life, She's held on to what the angel told her, what she saw on the face of the shepherds, what the wise man came to worship. She's waited for this moment, and it happens in John chapter 2 at the wedding of Cana. Then you have Jesus cleansing the temple for the first time. Chapter 3. In chapter 3, we have Nick at night. Nicodemus is one of the religious leaders of the time, comes and has just a few questions to ask Jesus. And it's where, in chapter 3, we get one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's in the context of Nicodemus coming to Jesus. Then the second half, we have John's humility, Here's John the Baptist, who everybody's wondering who he is, and John the Baptist consistently, consistently, flawlessly points people to Jesus over and over and over and over. And even when they want to give him some fame, he's like, no, 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 no. He must increase and I must decrease, John 3.30. Chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well, and And so begins Jesus' interaction with unnamed people. 
not people who did not have names, but people whose names are not recorded in Scripture. And he meets with this woman at the well, and it's remarkable. We also have at the end of that chapter his second miracle. He heals the nobleman's son. And I want you to know when you go back and read that, how does he do it? Because it's a fascinating study if you read all four of the Gospels and note all of Jesus' miracles, the variety of ways that he heals. Sometimes he just says the word and it's done. Sometimes he touches them. Sometimes they touch him. It's a remarkable thing to study. How do these miracles take place? Chapter 5. Jesus' miracle number 3 in the book of John. He heals a man beside the pool. And there's a fascinating question asked in that situation. He actually asked the man, do you want to be healed? And that's a question I think he would ask you and me today. All those parts of us that are wounded, all of those parts of us that hurt, Jesus would ask you and me, do you, do you want to be healed? Sometimes you and I hold on to our woundings, and Jesus offers complete healing. The second half of chapter 5, Jesus declares his deity. Chapter 6, we have his fourth miracle in the feeding of the 5,000. His fifth miracle, he walks on water. Yes, he does. He is the Lord of creation. And he teaches the crowd. And in chapter 6, he declares, I am the bread of life. And Peter confesses. Chapter 7, Jesus teaches in the temple, and it divides the people. Chapter 8, Jesus is back in the temple, and he confronts the hypocrisy of the religious leaders who cruelly and meanly bring in, drag in to him a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Notice as you reread that passage, Jesus' posture as he interacts with both the religious leaders and with the woman. In the second half of that chapter, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world, and he offers truth that will set them free. Chapter 9, we have Jesus' sixth miracle in the book of John when he heals a man born blind, which was a big, hairy deal. And again, he affirms his deity. Chapter 10, Jesus declares, I am two things, the good shepherd and the gate. Here again, he reiterates his deity. Chapter 11, Jesus proclaims in the midst of the whole crisis of Lazarus's death, he declares, I am the resurrection and the life after he has waited until Lazarus died. He had word that Lazarus was ill, but no, he waited until he died. Yes, he did. And then he returns. He meets with Martha and then Mary. And then he raises, miracle number seven in the book, he raises Lazarus from the dead, saying, Lazarus, come forth. And as a result, John notes that there becomes a plot, a conspiracy to kill him. Chapter 12. Jesus' feet are anointed by Mary. She gets who he is, and he honors her. And we have the triumphal entry, where Jesus comes into Jerusalem, cleanses the temple a second time, and foretells his death. Chapter 13, Jesus initiates the Lord's Supper and predicts his betrayal. Chapter 14, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He comforts his disciples and promises them the Holy Spirit. 
chapter 15. Now, this is our focus passage. Notice where it is now in the whole context of the Gospel of John. Jesus declares, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he warns about the world's response to them, given the response they've already made to him. Chapter 16, Jesus elaborates on the Holy Spirit, foretells his death, and comforts and consoles his disciples. See, here's the deal. And you need to realize that when you read these passages, the disciples didn't get it. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. Let me just remind you or or tell you perhaps if you do not know, the disciples, the people of God, the Jews, what they were anticipating in the 400 years of silence since the end of Malachi, they were anticipating God sending his son, God sending a king. And what they wanted was a crowned king on a throne reigning. They wanted the overthrow of the Roman Empire. That's what they wanted. And you need to understand that's what the disciples thought they were signing on to be a part of when Jesus called them. When they knew they found the Messiah, that's what they thought that meant. They were going to be on the end. They were going to sit on his right and his left on the planet at that point in time. They, they, this whole idea of him foretelling his death, they couldn't get their brain around it. That's not what they wanted. That's not what they had anticipated. That's not what they thought this was in spite of the prophet's words in Isaiah 43. Outlining the reality of the need for a suffering servant, they didn't get that. They didn't get that because, see, Jesus came, was crowned with thorns, and died on a cross, and they couldn't get their mind around that. Chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. This is known as the high priestly prayer. Chapter 18, he says upon his arrest, I am. So this is the plus one, if you ask me. Most scholars say there are seven I am's in the book of John. I would argue that this is the extra one in at his arrest that Jesus says I am. So you can look that one up and see if you agree. And he prays for himself in Gethsemane. We see here this, the humanity of Jesus. Please, 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 there's got to be another way, right? And yet we see the submission of that humanity to the will of the Father. This is our example. This is our example. The wrestle is real. Paul talks about in that in Romans 7. This wrestle between what we want to do and what we know we should do. That's a real thing. And we see Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, wrestle that in Gethsemane. And yet, our example is his yieldedness, his submission to the Father. And so, In the last half of 18, he's betrayed by Judas and he's denied by Peter. Rough day at the office. Yeah, betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, who, by the way, promised up and down and sideways he would never do that. Peter declared he was ready to die with Jesus, and yet he denied him three times. Chapter 19, Jesus is crowned with thorns, crucified, and buried. Chapter 20, Jesus' tomb. Miracle number eight, I would suggest. Only seven are listed by most scholars, but I would suggest that his own resurrection ought to qualify as a miracle. So I've listed it in your outline as M8, miracle number eight. The tomb was empty on the third day. 
He meets Mary in the garden and he appears to his disciples. And in chapter 21, Jesus is on the seashore affirming Peter. That's your outline of the book of John. I hope you can see how that whole outline matters if we're going to drill down into 15. And I want to just chase something for just a minute. Be very wary of anybody who wants to cherry pick scripture to make it mean something. You need to always make sure you go back and put it in its context. In its context. And that's what I'm endeavoring to do here. It's dangerous to just drill down even to a few verses without putting it in context. So I hope that you will take some time and study that context and dare to read, maybe over the next week, the whole book of John so that this passage, John 15, 1 through 11, can really, really mean something to you as we study it. I would suggest read it in several different translations, right? BibleGateway.com is a really great tool for that. I know that what I love to do is print it out and mark it up. I love to mark it up. I also mark it up in my real Bible, but also like to mark up other ones. So chapters 13 through 17 are called the Upper Room Discourse. Some scholars reduce it by one chapter and say it's 14 to 17, but I can see how you could argue the end of 13 certainly goes into this Upper Room Discourse. And you can see that this jewel of a passage, 15, 1 through 11, is dead center in all that. And the end of it is capped by what's referred to as the high priestly prayer of Jesus for his disciples in chapter 17. Now, I want to do an overview of what our study is going to look like. I'm going to give you the outline. Again, PDFs are available at rachelcarmen.com. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the word abide as the backbone of our study. But the key words for our study are not going to be A, B, I, D, E. No, that would be far too simple. As I've studied, I'm just using that as the backbone because our words are actually going to go around the letters in the word abide. I have three primary points, and this will all make sense in the visuals that you can see over on the website. This will all make sense. Our three points are these. We're going to talk about the practice of abide, what it looks like to participate and abide, and what it looks like to persevere and abide. I really think that that is what we're called to do, to practice, participate, and persevere. I do not have for you, once again, some quick, easy, simple, instant way to transformation and sanctification because that's not available. What we're offered is the opportunity to lean in and trust God's plan, His way of doing it, what Peter refers to as those things which are necessary for our transformation and our sanctification and our conformity into the image of Christ. That's what we have an opportunity to lean into through this act of abiding. So I really want to challenge you. I really, really, really want to challenge you to take some time between now and the the next time you listen to the next episode to read it would be awesome if you read the whole book of John, but certainly John 15, 1 through 11, maybe more than once, certainly in more than one translation. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Do you long for safety and security? 
Is that something you really want? Do you long for unity and fellowship among believers in your family? Do you want wisdom and contentment? I'm going to propose to you that I believe it is found in abiding, abiding as it is outlined in John 15. I really enjoy our time together. I'm looking forward to this series. Feel free to ask questions. Feel free to download those PDFs. I look forward to our time together. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.